Leonardo. This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, final hour of our day here at spring training. Oh, man, we're past the 50% mark. Son of a gun. I don't want to leave here. we still got some time, right? It's only Wednesday, right? Oh, I don't like leaving. I really like it here. It's Brock and Salk, and yes, thank you to Alaska Airlines. Thank you to Kitsap Credit Union, uh, our presenting sponsors this week for all of our time here uh, at Mariners Spring Training. We will uh, hear from Julio Rodriguez coming up in 30 minutes. Uh, before we get there, Brock, spend a few minutes here talking some football, and, and both Pete and John were available to answer some questions yesterday. Did you feel the ease of Schneider? Because in past combines, he's had that funky cowboy country. Just uh, But now that Bob and Wyman are working with him oh. every Thursday on the Schneider Show, right? There's just a he – was, he was rolling yesterday. And I was like, way to go, Dave and Bob. You know, <laughs> way, to, way to help equip and train. And there wasn't any nervousness. There was no country twang. He was just dialed in, man. Yeah. Well, you know, 10,000 hours and all that. Yeah, all right? that. I mean, yeah, he's just for sure. Practice Reps. With those guys. Reps. I'm sure you'll hear from him tomorrow at 4 o'clock, as uh, he does every Thursday with Wyman and Bob. Uh, but, he, you know, we just played you some John Schneider. Let me play you a little Pete Carroll. So, cut six here. He was asked about the reports that came out late last week about Russell Wilson trying to get him and John fired, and he answered it in about as predictable a way as you could have imagined. It's always been with, with the guys that I've coached that um, I'm always going to hang with them, and I'm never going to leave them, and I'm going to be there at the end of all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff i'm gonna still be there and so uh that's it you know i'm, I'm hanging and uh, it doesn't matter who the guy is if you, you look at all of the guys that have come to our program just not go back to the college days but just here at, at seattle regardless of what has happened or has taken place or the things that have been said at all if you hang with them it all comes back around and uh I like to demonstrate that faith in the relationship and the depth of what we did together and uh, and hang through whatever the growth challenges bring to, to us along the way. So I'm good. Yeah, it's whatever the growth challenges bring to us along the way. Brock. <laughs> them, you know, we just hang with them even when, you know, we're telling the crowd to boo them. <laughs> You know, he dropped some faith elements in there, though. Never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, right really? there, yeah, in faith. And yeah, he was, he kind of. I don't know whether Pete's a religious guy or not. I've, I've never heard that about him. But it wouldn't surprise me, even if he wasn't, if he looked to the Bible in some way for inspirational quotes, et cetera, and things that could help him motivate a team. Well, what he uh, ma- is a master in is grace. Mm. Through, through the years, Salk, the number of times you and I have wanted a pound of flesh. That is a rule one violator! Right? And just absolutely punish him. And they get kicked out. And they won't. Wow. Well, Everyone's looking at us. I, I figured i got to amp it up a little bit here in the final Silly. hour. <laughs> We're nearing 60%, okay? We're over the hub. It's time for me to ramp not, it up a little bit. Looking. I'm not even looking at you. Yeah. I came in hot the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. well, don't, don't worry about that it. That was completely unnecessary. No, it was yes, not. Yes, it was. Because you and I used to do that. Yeah, but for we good came... reason. There were things that would make us mad. We didn't just start screaming in the middle of workouts. 
My God. They're Everyone's on just the warming field. up, tossing Don't. balls around right now. I think, I think no hey, noise. Hey, hey. I think Gilbert was playing catch, hey. and you distracted him. I think it hit hey. him in the face. Do you want me to do it again? No. Okay, okay. then focus here. Oh. Okay, don't worry about the outside. Oh, have some focus. grace. But Yes, have some grace, because that, that is what Pete Carroll has had. You and I have asked for punishment. How, how do you let Russ, uh, Richard Sherman treat you like this? How do you let him throw his coordinators under the bus? He's a rule one violator. Oh, give him grace. How do you... How do you let a player flip you off on the field and not cut him on the spot? <laughs> hey, he's a rule one violator. Now give him grace. This guy tried to get you fired. He wanted you out publicly. Give him grace. Well, certainly publicly. But even, I think, privately with those guys. Some know? of them. Yeah. With the- you think that the same grace is being extended privately here? This one's different, man. Sorry. He said all the right things. I, I absolutely love what Pete said yesterday. He handled it the right way publicly. But I'm sorry. I'm not buying that the publicly, or privately rather, this is the same publicly, as those other guys. Publicly, when he got to p- compete against him, he absolutely went for the throat. Yes. And he did not mind that. And I'm not in, sh- the, in the years to come, when he when Russell, like the rest of them, will be in the ring of honor, Pete will be there. I don't know, man. I don't know if that will go the same. Be He'll be there because, again, that's public. Privately? I don't think it's the same. No, I think Pete understands. He's 70-something years old and been around it. And unlike the guy that you're going to hear in 25 minutes who has people around him that tell him no, unlike the guy that you're going to hear in 25 minutes and Julio Rodriguez who set boundaries and has said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I surround myself with people that have known me throughout the entire process, mm-hmm. not people that I take on, not a, an empire that I build, but actually the foundational people that got me to this point, those are the people that are going to surround me. Pete knows that Russell, unfortunately, didn't have that and didn't surround himself in that way. By the way, it's not that different from what Jared Kelnick said yesterday when you mentioned that with Julio of shutting out That's some right. of those other voices that had kind of gotten into his head over time, right? I mean, yep. he, you know, he, he kind of talked through that. I think I think this is it. Is it cut four where he talks through this? David, see if you could play that for me. I've got it on cut ten. Well, let's see. What it's, oh, I'm sure. sorry. Maybe it's cut yeah. ten. Thank I think, you. I mean, everybody's a person so i think we go through phases where you know you maybe lose track of you know the avenue that you were on or the road that you're on or maybe you got to find a new road who knows but um you know i i was in a place where i had a lot of people talking to me which like good or bad or different it doesn't matter um but spent this off season working with a lot of coaches in terms of like get me back onto a path that like I felt I needed to be on, and uh, and right now I'm on a path that I want to be on, and I'm going to stay on, and uh, not letting a lot of people on it. I'm not letting a lot of other yep. people on my path. Yep. Yeah. So I I think that's well said, and and Russell probably needed more people like that yep. in his life who could help with some of that. Yep. Let, let's bounce this now forward towards some some specifics of, of where they're going because Pete also was asked about what's going on right now with with the quarterbacks in this draft, and in cut eight he uh, sounded pretty high on them as a group. We we are totally connected to the quarterbacks that are coming out. Um, this is a really huge opportunity for us. Uh, it's a rare opportunity. We you know, we've been drafting in the low twenties for such a long time. You just don't get the chance with these guys. So we're deeply involved with all that. What's that mean? Oh, why, why are they deeply involved? Why is Josh oh. Schneider saying the quarterbacks don't grow on trees? Why did Pete on the Monday following the San Francisco 49ers loss with the four of us say we've already bounced because they're bouncing right into some leverage they've never been able to flex? Mm-hmm. 
they have never been able to do this. And and right now, I think you're kind of leveraging the market, and you're leveraging your QB, and you're leveraging the other teams, and eventually you'll start lying, uh, and you'll get to lying season a couple weeks before the draft. And they have not been able to be in this position. They've been able to do and manipulate the board, and John Schneider's done a marvelous job of it for a lot of years. And they've been able to manipulate it in the late 20s, in the mid-20s. They have not sat here and with the number five pick, nor could they have ever, could they have ever imagined when they traded Russell that they were going to be sitting here with that number five pick from Denver. I I just what I hear there is, regardless of what happens with Geno, we got to still find our quarterback for the long term, and that's not easy to find, and you might take a couple bites at the apple to try to figure that out. I hear that they want to make sure Geno knows that they've got other options. But I mostly hear that they would love for as many people as possible to want quarterbacks in the top five so that either they can trade out of their pick and still get who they want or they can they can end up with one of the big defensive players, one Mm -hmm. of these studs that could fall to them if somebody else jumps ahead of them to take Anthony Richardson ahead of them. Oh, by the way, who does Mel Kuyper Jr. have today? The Seahawks taking at number five. Anthony Richardson. I don't think that's an accident. If I'm the Seahawks, I want everybody to yep. believe that's who I want. Because if they want him, they better trade up to come and get him. And now all of a sudden, maybe you are left with Jalen Carter, depending on what happens with these reports that came out today. Or Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. Or whomever. But I, I, there's nothing but positives if somebody is looking for quarterbacks right now. So I am so tempted right now. They got a football behind us. They're out here warming up some of the pitchers. I am so tempted to bark out the loudest snap count I've ever done in my life. You I'll tell you what, but I won't. Already freaked everyone. But I, but I won't. Here's what you're not allowed to do. But I won't. Here's what you're not allowed to do is throw the ball to them. Yeah. I know what you've done to fingers in the past. I, I won't. And if you end up taking off one of these guys' fingers the way you I did won't. to who? Derek. Who? Mays. Derek Mays. Yeah. I don't want you to take off any of these pitchers' tips of their fingers because they're awfully important. But it's taking every bit of restraint from me. Do not throw a football yeah. at me. You're like Tucker. You see a, tennis balls. I want to go over there, and B, I just want to give a good cadence right now. A good <laughs> blue idiot. But I'm not going to do it. I, mean, I want to embarrass some of these guys. guys it's throw. the wrong sport. They'll be like, what, what in the world? <laughs> I mean, I think a few of them may have seen football before. They're throwing a football right now. Yeah, not particularly well They're either. They're tempting me. Not, not really their I am not really their fighting every fiber of my being. We're going right to come now. back, give you everything you actually need to know next. And then Julio Rodriguez, 20 minutes from now, you'll want to hear it. It's Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Fun day yesterday for the Mariners. Is uh, Man, they were hitting the ball, that's for sure. You got to see a long home run for Teoscar Hernandez and a couple of hits for Ty France, including this one right here. His tie swung on. Center field. Deep. Up and going back on the track. Looking up. And it hits off the above the yellow line for a home run. A home run for Ty France. So back-to-back jack for the Mariners. It's 8-1 Seattle. The crowd rises to its feet. I don't know if you could hear the yelling right before uh, the sound of the home run there, but that was Ty France walking by just as we were calling his name and pretty excited to hear about his two-hit day, as he should be. A healthy Ty France, big, big difference big maker. And Teoscar Hernandez introducing himself. That was pretty cool as well, don't you think? Yeah, we started to look at that lineup yesterday. Julio had the day off, uh, but, boy, you start to look at that lineup, and it's Julio, or it's Wong, and it's Julio... 
and it just extends itself out in Oscar uh, Suarez. Yes, yes, and pop and pop and pop and pop and pop and opportunity and opportunity. And yeah, it just. As the skip said to us yesterday, you know, second half of the season, they started to get people on base, which they did the first half. But the second half, they started to hit the home run, save for, for Ty that was banged up. But now you add Tay Oscar, and that ball at 111 miles an hour yesterday was a reminder to all of us why they targeted him, why he was their big offseason acquisition, and why, if he can provide a 30-plus home run pop in this lineup, you could do even more damage than a year ago. Get a big-time acquisitions. Luis Castillo started. He looked good through two innings. And you mentioned Julio being out of the lineup yesterday. Don't worry. He is back in there today. Both he and Kelnick scheduled to make the trip to Mesa. Here's the second thing you need to know. Seahawks uh, decision-making time is certainly coming up when it comes to uh, the franchise tag. And, Brock, I think you and I are both on the same page on this one. It just doesn't sound like it's something they can do. I get that there's some amount of leverage that they could have because it would allow them to trade them. But I think you've got to be willing to eat the salary cap hit of $32.5 million for one year, and I don't think they can afford to do that. So I would be very surprised if Gino ends up being tagged by Tuesday's deadline. John Schneider asked about those negotiations yesterday, said. Michael, I would say it's, a, it's always a process. Close. I would say positive. Uh, you know, all these negotiations, some go a little bit faster than others. Usually when you t- you're talking about larger numbers, they take a little bit more time. Uh, obviously much more complex than um, different sports uh, with guaranteed contracts so there's a lot more that goes into these contracts yeah there's a lot more you can read into that as well close i would say positive well we do have a little bit of a deadline coming up right you do have that franchise tag next week early next week and then the regular league season begins and in the market can become a little bit more clear now can i say this can i give you one but to you know you and i feeling and brady anderson feeling the same way they won't use it what if, and the butt would be, but they've actually found somebody that wants Geno. And you know what? Like we did with Frank Clark when we tagged him and we traded him. What if you can get some trade capital back? What if all of a sudden you take him and somebody wants him and doesn't want to have you know deal with the rest of the demands or go to market? To do the risk on a defensive end than it is to do the risk on a quarterback. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down. It's about nineteen million then, and this is thirty-two and a half million now, and yeah. But that is also one little aspect to it, one little possibility to it, one piece of flexibility you may have. And the nice thing is this isn't months away. Uh, This is days away. Well, more changes coming. Sean Desai officially choosing to leave for Philadelphia, where he will be the defensive coordinator. Austin Blythe announced his retirement yesterday. So that means the Seahawks are definitely going to be looking for a new center. They probably already were, but that certainly makes that official. Here's the third thing you need to know. Nice win for the Kraken last night. They needed it. 5-3 over St. Louis. Morgan Geeky with a couple of goals. Alexiak had a goal. Tanev with one. And this one from Jared McCann. Out of the box. It's Pitlick. And now McCann with a shot. He scores! A bomb from 19-27 goals for Jared McCann at the tail end of the power play. And the Kraken have a one-goal lead. 
That's a pretty good season for Jared McCann. Seven goals already with a whole bunch of games, what, 30-plus games left to play. That's a, that's a heck of a season. Now, we'll see what they decide to do. The deadline is Friday. There is some thought that they may look to trade some guys that are on the team because it's such a seller's market. Geeky's name has come up. I've seen Carson Soucy's name bounced around also. But I don't see them giving up on the idea of the playoffs, so it may be a little uh, buy and sell kind of situation. For them. You know what I liked about that highlight? The tail end of the power play. That's that's been the situation, you know, killing them, and more importantly, goal scoring in them. That uh, has been missing a little bit. And what's been an incredibly positive season. And speaking of which, incredibly positive for these Mariners last night. It's Sports Star of the Year. Julio Rodriguez is the Sportsman of the Year. No surprise in Seattle. And these Mariners were the Team of the Year in our market in Seattle as well. That is everything you need to know, uh, and we do that quarter past every hour. Hey, can I hit on one little thing we've not talked other than you addressing it? Austin Blythe retiring? Yeah. Seven years. And I, I saw some people in the social media realm kind of a little surprised. He's bounced around to three different teams in those seven years, and he's just an undersized guy. That, that While it surprised me a little bit, it didn't, like, shock me. When you were in Austin Blythe, and I don't think people understand, you know, unlike this sport that we're watching, there is a wear and tear of 162 games. There's not blunt force trauma day in and day out. And when you are an undersized dude as he is that has just fought and climbed and clawed to survive, I think his body just said, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done now. Well, he's what, also probably got to eat and work his way up oh, to that weight every exactly. year. It's probably exhausting and not, and not healthy and not for the long term. Yeah, not yeah. healthy for the long term. Now, here's a little bit of the complicating challenge. This is not a great draft. So this isn't like, oh, we can you know acquire these picks and let's trade down and let's find somebody in the second or third round. It is not a great center draft, and it's not a terribly deep center free agency. There's a, there's a guy in Minnesota, Garrett Bradbury. There was an 18th pick, and we know that John loves first-round picks. Played four years, been a little up and down, tremendous athlete in, in a big, powerful 315, you know. I'm told Ethan Postick just had a good year in Cleveland. He did have a good year in Cleveland. Kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. do you think? Well, he had to find. Sometimes that happens. You got to yeah. find new surroundings. He bounced around a bunch in Seattle. Yeah. and Yeah. Still kind of frustrating. Well, maybe you got a new O-line coach. Maybe. Maybe that was a part of it. Remember that, too. He did not have... Dickerson is his full-time O-line coach as well. So that will be a position. I don't just, Mike, I don't just forget Mark Lowe. Okay, okay? Thank you. And I don't just think you could find a center anywhere. Okay, I don't either. Okay. I would never presume that you could just find a center anywhere. Like, what, sitting by the side of the road? No, but you took, to hitch a ride somewhere? You got, you got your tackles. Hey, look at that over there. I got a center. Yeah. Hey, hey, come on, hey, jump on. Hey, they're working out. Settle down. All right. Gosh. Let's tone it down. They got the tackles. They extended Phil Haynes. They got, I think some of they feel pretty good about that. But the center is worth something to keep an eye on. Well, from centers to center field, Julio Rodriguez is going to join us next. We talked to him earlier this morning. Brock and I essentially couldn't look away. He was unbelievable. Not just the color, the pale green eyes that he's got, but everything he had to say about where he's at, the city of Seattle, and the future for these Mariners. You'll want to hear it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. 
Yes, and this hour is brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. Things continue to happen here. We got Perry Hill running some drills right next to us. It's just so fun watching these guys work out and go through all of the little things that make them great over the course of the season. They seem simple. They see, I mean, almost like watching high school baseball practice while you're here, except on steroids. I shouldn't say the word steroids right now, but you know what I mean. Exactly. Right? right? Like just totally amped up with so many new cool machines and everything else. The Traject machine we saw yesterday, this incredible weight room and all the stuff they do uh, and yet you turn to the other side and they're just in a line playing catch yeah there's a lot of the same stuff that you've been seeing since little league and here they are working and throwing a ball against a wall like they're playing butts up so earlier this morning we had a great opportunity to talk to julio rodriguez he has not spoken much since uh, the end of last year so it was great to be able to catch up with him and uh, we began just by asking him how he was doing yeah really good how about you guys? Still still negative. No, we're very positive. <laughs> How could you not be? It's perfect down here. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a little bit more it's a, it's a little bit warmer now, so I like it. How you, happy are you? Oh, really happy, man. I'm I'm getting to do what I like and having fun with it. You like working out over there too, huh? Are you always an early workout with the weights and then getting in the gym? Yeah, I feel like I was helping me out with like that activation basically for my body and like kind of make me feel strong throughout the day. So that's why I like it in the morning early. Yeah, he's throwing some weight around, too. Yeah, what do you like to do in there? Uh, I feel like I always like to do total body. I feel like every time I work out, I work out uh, upper and lower to kind of keep it balanced and kind of keep everything uh, at the same pace, basically. You don't skip leg day? Uh, no. Legs are important. Yeah, it's every, it's literally total body every time I work out. So, <laughs> What did those 160-plus games last year kind of teach you about getting your body ready for that haul? Uh, that if you're not ready then you're going to fall off or something like that. That's basically just something along the lines like that. It just, I feel like routine is really important and kind of staying on track and staying on top of it. I feel like that's the most important and the biggest thing I learned. You know, Jerry DePoto told us a story when he first met you. He was on the elliptical over there in that room. I think you were about 17 and you came over and introduced yourself to him. I'm just kind of curious. At 17, you probably weighed... 175? No, I was heavier than that. Was, oh, you were? Yeah, I was a little tall, so like, I was going to say like 195, 200 maybe. Yeah, and now we see you carry... 225, 230. Yeah. Is there a place where you're like, okay, if I'm going to be a center fielder and I'm going to do all that I'm going to do, is there a place there where maybe like, okay, I'm, I'm good at 225, 230? Yeah, that was, that was my whole way last year. Yeah. So I, 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 I was from 222 to... 230 throughout the whole year and that's that's the way that i feel like i can carry around and move around a good at the good speed yeah. what's it like to be julio rodriguez right now chill i don't know it's just <laughs> i guess good i would think life would be pretty good i mean you went on quite a ride over the course of the last year there was the awards there was making the playoffs i mean what, what was the highlight of your year uh i feel like all together i feel like there was a lot of moments where like, we had to battle through a lot of moments that we had to come back. Um, a lot of exciting moments. A lot of the, the run, the 14-game winning streak, uh, getting into the playoffs, the All-Star. There is, like, a lot of, of – there was a lot of things that, that happened. The home run derby. So, yeah, man, I was, it was a fun year. Take me back to that. Take me back to the home run derby. So you're at the All-Star game. You're around all of the best players in baseball thing that we heard from some of the people we talked to who were there is that they really embraced you that they sought you out and and some of the veterans and the and the all-stars of the game embraced you into their world 
What was uh, that like? Uh, it really, it really felt nice it, it, because they didn't, as you say, they didn't make me feel like, oh, I'm like the young guy or like nobody really wants to talk to me or like things like that. And they made me feel really good. I asked a lot of questions and they were really open with me and trying to help me. So like that made me feel really good. Who, who in particular? Uh, I felt like there was like a lot of guys, Judge, Trout, um, everybody. I don't know. There was so many it's a pretty guys. pretty good start. Yeah, right? like. Bloody, bloody, like Soto. Like I talked to everybody. Albert Pujols. That was just so many, so how, many. How much different was life after the Derby? After that experience, the whole country watching, all you know, the performance and what you did. How much different was the attention, the admiration, just living life after that than before? Uh, I just feel like, uh, as I just said, people just knew more about me. I feel like they just knew more about me. We were playing up in Seattle and. Uh, I feel like whenever I step up in LA, that's whenever like they kind of say, "Oh, the Mariners got something going on over there." How much did you talk to your parents throughout that run, throughout last year, and and sort of your first year here in the big league? I talk often to my parents. I feel like I was trying to like connect with them and trying to see how they're doing and things like that. And they always like checking on me. And if something happens on the field, like they see anything, they always checking on me to make sure that I'm good. I think I think we've learned a lot about your parents, right? They've sort of become a, a story of their own here in Seattle, and they're you know they're flying up to see your first game after Scott told you about it here in the yeah. in the office here, which is just one of the great videos that we've ever seen, a great great moment to watch. You know what what do they see? How do how do they take all of this in and and the the ride that you're on? I mean, they definitely they definitely took a while. Like I feel like it was definitely a long road for all of us and. Just they seeing our dreams basically come in reality right now. They definitely they they took a while and they they knew that we worked uh, really hard for this. And yeah, they watch every game. They do. They, they do. Are they now? Do they watch from the Dominican? Do they come up here a lot? How does that work? Uh, they watch from the Dominican. I set up my mom so that she can she's able to watch my dad too. So they ready. They they tune in every every time. They text you after every game, tell you what you did right, tell you what you did wrong. Yeah, no, nah, they always text me to make sure that I'm good. I don't know. They, that's what that's what the thing. They, they know baseball is hard. Now, do they text you after you ran into the wall the other day? It's my mom did. I bet she did. Yeah. What'd she say? And don't don't dad, run into walls. Yeah, my mom, and my dad, they both text me, and they were a little worried. Why? <laughs> At the same time, they know how I play, and they know I'm going to go out there, have fun, and not be limited to for anything. Who are some other folks, Julio, that you lean into for counsel to handle handle baseball? As you said, it's a difficult sport, and to handle now all of this attention that has been thrown on you. Uh, I just feel like other people around me. I feel like we kind of had a plan, and we kind of executed it, and now we're a little bit prepared for this. We're a little bit prepared, and like I feel like the people that's around me, they're pretty capable of like give me a good advice and steer me in the good direction. And I feel like I feel really happy that they're around me mm-hmm. because they tell me the truth. They tell me how it is, and if there's any situation that comes up, they're gonna tell me the reality of it, and they're not gonna try to say, "Oh no, you're good." And they're just gonna let me know mm-hmm. that if I did it wrong, if I did it right. So I feel like I really appreciate it from them. Who, who are some of those? Wait, when you say is that is that your uh, director that you grew up with in baseball with at the facilities? Uh, I mean, the first ones are definitely my parents, uh, guys like Kiko Pena that he signed me, like my agent, like people that work with the agency that I keep really tight. Mm-hmm. My sister, like the guy that threw me BP, family. There is like a group of people that they're around me that I feel like I kind of came up with them. And we got here basically together, and they still being the same people, and they still giving me the same advices that I had. Since I started playing baseball and like that, since I basically started keeping it like more professional. 
Have you spoken at all? We're talking to Julio Rodriguez, of course. You know, you have superstar potential. I mean, you you are right now already one of the faces of the game of baseball. That that's a lot. I mean, that that happened very very quickly. And Brock and I were talking and looking up at that board up there and looking at a couple of couple of faces on there, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ichiro in particular, who had similar rises to stardom. And for a while, Jr. was the face of the game of baseball and Ichiro for you know his entire career, carrying an entire nation of Japan that was interested in his every single movement. And everywhere he went, there was a camera crew just following everything he did. Have you talked at all to either of them about the the goods and the bad and the pressure that comes with being a big star that people are really interested in? Uh, I feel I talked to Ichiro about it. Uh, I was curious, and I asked the question, and he basically said things along the line that people might look at you different, but you can never look at yourself different. And that's, whenever he told me that, I kind of clicked in my head. It's like, okay, whoever, whoever wants to see me different because of what I'm doing on the field, what I'm doing off the field, or whatever, that's their deal. And the way that I look at myself and the way that I go about my work and the way that I go about my practice, about my preparation, all that, that's my deal and that's my choice. And that doesn't, that cannot be impacted by anybody or by any any other way that the people is looking at me. <laughs> so I feel like whenever he said that, it kind of shocked me. I said, okay, people's perspective about me can change. They can look at me different, but what I see about myself and where I want to go can never change. And that's something that I really took to heart and... I'm going to keep living by it. You know, the Skip uh, sat in that seat with us yesterday, and he talked about there's just a little different feeling and a little different vibe in this building after ending 20 years, right? That playoff streak and then winning a playoff series that the guys are just carrying themselves with the, it isn't can we do this? It's we did it, and now there's more to this mountain to climb. Do you feel that? Oh, definitely, definitely. I feel like we all feel capable of, like, being back in the playoff and compete. And I know I know we're a tough team. I know we're tough for teams to play against us, and I know we play very good baseball. We respect everybody, but we know we know we're gonna go out there and compete because we did it once. And I know we I know we got better. I know that we have more room to improvement, and I know we're gonna get there. How good can you be, this team? How how good can this team be? Uh, man, I don't want to set limits for any of us. I feel like I never do that to myself. I don't want to do it to this team, and I just know we're gonna go out there and compete. And at the end of the year, we're gonna see how good we were. You, when you when we spoke to you last year, we were down here and you talked about some of your uh, early desire to play for the Mariners and and how important the city of Seattle was to you. And then you spent a year there and you spent a year around the fans and the fans who came out and certainly after Cal's home run and into the playoffs, etc. What did you make of Seattle last year? Oh man, Seattle was the best. Seattle was just the best. Like I gotta say it straight up. Like it just always a different feeling. I know. There's a lot of good fans like all, all, all across baseball, but whenever you play in the Pacific Northwest, it's just different. It's just a different vibe. It's, it feels like home. That's what I like about playing the T-Mobile Park and playing for the Mariners fans. It just They just make it feel like home, and that's what I like about it. If I feel comfortable at home, like I'm going to play the best that I can possibly play. You could have signed other places, right? I mean, other, other teams, I'm sure, would have loved to have had you as a 16-year-old or whenever you signed. Are you glad that you chose Seattle? Definitely. There is not an ounce of regret in my mind about it. That is not. Especially, as you say, after spending one year in Seattle and just see what that city is capable of 
And all the room that we have to improvement, there is definitely not a doubt in my mind about that. Even with Scott Service as your manager, you still say that. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. sure. I just want to check. Oh, that's good. Okay. I'm telling see, you. See what he did right there? <laughs> yeah. Scott was down Scott was downright mean to me yesterday. We're we're gonna get it back. Nah, he, he was man. rude. Hey. He was attacking Be me. Be careful, that's my manager, man. I gotta get on his side. Yeah. You like Scott? Of course, man. What, of do you course. Like? what what do you, what does he do as a manager that you appreciate? I feel like he's always honest and straight up with me. And I feel like that's what I told you. Like I surround myself with people like that. And as soon as I saw him that he told me things like it is and because he wants me to get better. And I feel like if I don't get that information, I don't really get better. And like I like that about him, that he's straight up, he's open with us and he just tell you how it is. And like if you take it too hard and start crying about it, I guess you're not gonna get better. But if you really take it too hard and like, take it to a good place. I feel like you, you can grow from it. Is he talking to me? Huh? Is Julio talking to me? No. He said that I need to grow from yeah, it? Nah, just, I just, told you he's just, my just... manager. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, la- last couple things here for me, Julio. And we sure appreciate the time, man. Seriously, thank you for doing this. Uh, do you like hitting leadoff? Or do you kind of like seeing Colton in front of you? Do you have any feel for how that could work? Yeah, I just like helping the team win. So, whatever the manager mm-hmm. tell things that I belong, that's what I'm going to be trying to do my best to produce runs. Okay, and uh, we had Sam Haggerty, the, the audience going to hear it today, and I asked Sam uh, when we taped the interview yesterday, I said, Sam, if we were to line up the Mariners, all right, right there on that left field line, and I set up a sprint for, I don't know, 30, 40 yards, I said, and all the Mariners run in that sprint, who finishes first? What do you think Sam said? He probably, I know him, he probably think he, he gets there first. But there is no chance that who would do that. That's not what he said. No. What did he say? He said it was Julio. He said who? <laughs> he, he said Julio, uh, followed by him, followed by Dillamore. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And Does that then, sound right? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so, are you excited about the bases being a little closer together and all that? Do you think that will that lead to more in the running game, or will we see what we saw in the second half of last year where it tapered off a little bit? Uh, I just feel like, as I said, like I'm just going to be ready to impact the game in all the possible ways that I can. And I know that's a part of my game, and I know that I can create a few runs on that, so I'm not going to leave that on the table. And you're still going to slide head first? Yep. yep. That's how right. you got to play the game. All right. all right. Last question. Best piece of counsel you've heard since last year ended, whether it was at the parade back home, whether it was at the awards show, and last night, congratulations, Sports Star of the Year in Seattle as well. Uh, you gave us the Ichiro comment. Is there other uh, piece of counsel advice that really stuck to you as well through this? Um, it's about, I feel like, setting your boundaries. I feel like that's something that I've learned, like, throughout the off season too. I feel like that's something that's huge. I feel like people don't really realize how important it is. Kind of setting your boundaries, setting what's important for you, setting what's, like, making sure people know what's your priority. And if they don't respect that, then they don't respect you and they don't respect your dreams. So people that respect you and that care about you and that love you, then you express that to them, they're going to be like, okay, go on and keep doing your thing. Mm. People that don't, that they think about themselves and they're selfish, they're going to be mad about that. Mm. So I feel like that's something that I really learned, and I hope a lot of people out there learn that too. Set your boundaries, set your priorities, and stick to your ways. Stick to your dreams and don't let anybody get in the middle of that. Well, 
I don't have anything else to say after that. Just, I, that's got to be the last word. We call that a drop the mic. Yeah, we yeah, just okay. drop the mic. Yeah, you know, take off the headphones and walk away. Mic. Nice talking to you guys. Great, Julio. Thank really you, Julio. Appreciate it, man. Continue stuff. Success, we really brother. appreciate it. Thank uh, you. That is Julio Rodriguez. There is no one like him, man. You and I were both completely captivated throughout the entirety of that interview. First of all, just by his green eyes. But beyond that, yeah. with just how, how poised he is. And remember when we saw Cam? Remember when we were down here for the Super Bowl mm. and we were leaving that ESPN party? Yep. And as we were walking out, because we were tired and needed to go home, <clears throat> Cam Newton was just showing up because he was young in. and in a completely different headspace than you and me. Yep. And he just reeked of star power. His smile lit up the entire building, man. Yep. The, the jewelry didn't help, or didn't hurt, rather. There was plenty of it. He lit up the joint. And I think when we sit, I think that's what we're both recognizing sitting next to Julio is that same just magnetism that yep. just star power just pops off. It does. And then on the flip side of it is, is I re-listened to that after experiencing it in person the first time around. He is an old soul. And we will hear scouts talk about that, especially as we lead into a draft and everything else. And, you know, Russell was beyond his years because of his, his practice routine and his habits and his, his dad putting him at fake press conferences when he was a kid and he was always like older right but man we have not come across many ball players here and none at 22 that i can remember that were that old of a soul it's so funny you say that because in some ways he's the opposite of an old soul right he's so youthful super charismatic magnetic all of those things and those usually are not i've heard the phrase it seems like he's been here before used to describe certain players and people in life like yep. and they go through life like they've already done this once and they know what they're doing i, I wonder if that's sort of what you're getting yeah, that's, there. yeah that's exactly what that feels like but to be able like two or three times to kind of navigate those conversations with each row navigate that conversation yeah. at the end of it of putting boundaries yeah. you know and that's what peyton did you know the biggest superstar that i was ever around in my life on a day-to-day was peyton and peyton did the same thing and at times it was frustrating to me Right, because I got pretty close to Kitna and pretty close to Hasselbeck and Dilfer, and there was a camaraderie and a friendship, and we hung out, and it was like, nope, these are my boundaries, and you know, mom and dad said a lot of those, and you know, he had a few friends, and Stokely was one of them, and they had Louisiana roots, but man, there was not a, there was times it was impenetrable, like, come on, man, let me in, nope, you know, like I got my thing to do, and I got my boundaries, and I set my boundaries, and we're going to go attack this. Oh, Julio and seems to be learning that. Got a lot Jared, of that. Jared Kelnick seems like he's learned that last year as well. All right. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Right now, let's do some ranking to finish up the show. Oh. Got a list? Time to Whoa. put it in order. Really? Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five, five minutes. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. You can do this? Yeah, no, only one honorable mention today. Today, I just wanted to go through quickly. Tomorrow, my dad will be here with a full ranking right. with honorable mentions and everything. He's ready to go. Today, I thought I would just give you a quick list of some of my favorite things I've seen or learned since showing up here at spring training. Uh, my fa- number six, the just outside the top five. This is almost a ranked. Is there, are we, are we gonna huh? do? We've done a few lately. I'm Sheesh. so excited. Did it yesterday, too. Ranking Brock's inappropriate comments that I thought we were going there for a minute. <laughs> we about. could do that. Uh, just getting to hang with Tucker a little oh, bit, yeah. the Mariners team dog. Mariners pub. I mean, he is a little skittish. He doesn't love to be pet. But I, uh, I got a chance to sort of sit down on the ground and wait for him a little bit earlier. It's pretty nice. Good. He's a really nice-looking chap. That's number six? Yeah, he's just outside the top five. Number five, 
just you know who I've been watching a lot and trying to to really observe is Perry Hill. And he does a lot of work right next to us, so it's actually pretty easy to do. But I've spent a little time talking to him. He was just doing a drill with a couple of middle infielders where he was having them practice double play tosses Mm -hmm. with their eyes closed. So they're doing the whole double play, eyes closed. I even heard him say, hey, do you know where that one went? He says, no, my eyes are closed. Where'd it go? (laughs) And so I asked Perry, hey, why, why eyes closed? Why do you think? Oh, because I'll feel. It's all feet. He said, you don't throw where, with your eyes. Where your throw feet with are. Your feet. Yep. And with especially your, when you pronate, right? And, and it's like an option pitch. So He said they do it from across the diamond. Like, they'll go out there, take infield, eyes closed, throw across the first base. Whoa. Wow. And he said, if your feet are right, that ball will go right where it's supposed to. He even said one player on the team, I won't say who, no. can throw probably more accurately with his eyes closed than with them open. Wow. Ty France. Uh, number four. Not Ty France. Number four. <laughs> uh, I had a chance yesterday to sit down with somebody that I really like and respect, and that's Terry Francona. Uh, playing the Guardians yesterday, I had a chance to kind of just go down to the club or to the dugout before the game and talk to Tito for a few minutes. It meant a lot to me. He was the first player, or first uh, manager that I covered and learned a lot about the game from him. Um, he's in better health, which was great. He seems happy. And I'll tell you what. He did some really nice things to say about the Mariners. He's like, that team order is pretty freaking good. Yep. Their bullpen's ridiculous. Their starters are ridiculous. They grind. He is a fan of these Mariners. Nice. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Number three, everything that, our whole conversation with Jared Helmick, I just am still sort of buzzing from it, even though it was yesterday. I love the headspace that he's in and kind of what we've learned about it. I also spent some time talking to some of the behind-the-scenes people, the Wendy, the Wendy lady people here down in, uh, in Peoria who are around the team. You know who they love? Jared Kellen, that he is a good dude, that he treats them really well, that he'll go out there and try to, like, you know, pick up stuff for them. They're like, hey, if you get hurt picking up the equipment, that's my job. I'm getting fired. And he's like, no, I don't mind helping. Like, if he's just somebody they all really root for, they were expecting kind of a kind of a pain in the butt and got exactly the opposite during his time in the big league. So I thought that was interesting. Number two, the traject machine that all four of us got a chance to see. We didn't get a chance to climb in yet. Maybe we will before we leave. We'll see. But that was just awesome. I mean, getting a chance to see, you know, actual, actual major league pitches coming out of a machine with the, with the picture on it. So I cool. told Brock earlier, it felt like the scene in Independence Day where the mad scientists like, you guys want to see the alien? <laughs> Come on in. Yes. No peace. Yes. No <laughs> exactly. Well, and number one. I think you can guess what number one is. He's got two of them. They're piercing. They're emerald green. They're as beautiful and captivating as any eyes you'll ever look into. When Heather and I went on our honeymoon in Nicaragua, one of the hotels we stayed at was called Pelican Eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that used to be one of my favorite eyes. Oh. Now it's just straight up Julio's. Because we've ranked eyes before. I know. Julio's eyes. Revision. The, the new number I one. really enjoyed this ranked. Thanks. Yeah. Look at that, Maura. <laughs> Everybody's happy Normal, today. You're gonna love concise. my. Then you're gonna love my dad tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Well, that's your dad. So I'm sure oh, he gets like, a pass. Yes, yeah. Shush. <laughs> I hope you all noticed that Scott Service did not crack my top five after he was such a jerk to me yesterday, bro. What? Sixty percent. I know. Don't talk that way. <laughs> the day's not over yet. Okay.
right. We're going out to eat tonight, the five of us with Shannon. Yep. A little top golf, we think, tomorrow night? Yep. Ooh, wow. Love that. A lot of fun left to be had. Yes. Yep. And I'll try to head over to Sun City West, maybe. I left my sunglasses <laughs> over there. Maybe I can meet some more of those old ladies. How convenient. I know. I think one of them stole the sunglasses to try to get me, to lure me back in. All right. We got to run. If you missed any of this stuff, go find it on SeattleSports.com or wherever you get your podcast. Stick around for Bump and Stacy. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Until then, hey. There's a new Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody.